Hey, everybody, welcome back to, we'll call this uh, season three of What's Brewing. Uh, unfortunately, I'm my third host, but hopefully Dom Tiano sticks around. Everybody welcome Dominic Tiano to the program, our new co-host here on What's Brewing. Uh, hopefully everybody remembers you, Dom, from when we were with Black and Gold and working with Kevin. And uh, how's everything going for you? Doing great, buddy. Doing great. How about you? I'm excited to have, bring the show back and and have some Bruins chat. Uh, now that we're back here with the Hockey Podcast Network, great to have you on board. And it's always a pleasure talking Bruins hockey with you and all, ho all hockey in general. But I know the Bruins are your specialty and and the prospects. And I'm looking forward to having a great show and and a great season here. Yeah, you. Uh, I am as well, Chris. I mean. You know, it hasn't been statistically, I guess, point wise, we're doing great, but there's uh, a lot of room for improvement for these Bruins. And, uh, you know, I'm sure we'll touch on a couple of those things tonight. Oh, yeah. I've got a, a list of stuff to go off of. Um, I, I, I'm going to toss it to you, see if there's one thing in particular you want to start with. I know you mentioned uh, a couple <clears throat> things before we jumped on here. Where would you like to start? Well, I want to start with Matt Grizzlick, if we can, Chris, because everybody seems to be jumping all over uh, Jake DeBrusque and his lack of production. And yeah, we can talk about a little bit about that, but um, <coughs> be, before I begin my mini rant, let me ask you, Chris, are you satisfied, impressed, uh, disappointed. Uh, where are you on Matt Grizzlick? Um, I'm kind of in the middle. Uh, nothing. He doesn't do anything in my eyes that makes me sit here and go, we have to do something with him. We have to keep him here. We have to resign him. Like I, I sit here and I go, what's his number? What's he looking for? Because he plays really, really well with McAvoy. Most of the time, he's pretty consistent. Most of the time, you know, he's grown more into his role than maybe three years ago. And yet at the same time, you can get something for him. If if he's going to ask for five, six million going into next year on his new contract, and you can package him with something to bring something else back, like a Noah Hannafin, for instance, just throwing a name out there. I like the bigger body. And I feel like Hannafin, you can also resign. I'd rather invest that $6 million in him versus in Grizzly. But I also wouldn't cry if they said, well, we're, you know, if they announce a new six by six contract for Grizzly tomorrow, because I know he likes working with McAvoy. They're friends. They played together in college. And it's not like it doesn't work. Okay. Here's my mini rant. And I'm going to use recency biased, which is the last two games. Um, we know the analytics are good. He's got good analytical numbers. But with any statistic, it always comes down to when are those statistics that go against you uh, happening? In other words, how are they affecting the team? And I look at that two-on-one against the Islanders that put the Bruins down. They had to come back and, and tie it and... Uh, than win it in a shootout. I've never seen Matt Grizzlick play a two-on-one as poorly as he did. 
everybody knows the the defenseman takes away the pass and lets the goalie handle the shooter. Especially when you've got Linus Allmark and Jeremy Swayman in net, you always let the goalie take the shooter. But he attacked the puck carrier, which made for an easy pass. I forget who it was, sent him in alone. Then I look at overtime last night. Uh, three guys lined up straight across. Now, we heard Brick say, you know, there was a communication problem with the Bruins as to who has who and who whose responsibility was Trocek, I think it was. It doesn't matter. The def- defenseman's primary responsibility is to make sure that he is between the goaltender and the puck carrier. And Grizz did not do that. And those are two instances at bad points in the game that cost the Bruins. <clears throat> Unfortunately, I'm seeing a lot more from that from Grizz. They're not getting three point almost seven million dollars value out of Matt Krizlik this season. I don't care what the analytics say. Um he doesn't get PK time, although he's forced into it now with the injury to Forbert. He doesn't get PP time. He's not relieving or taking time away uh, from Lindholm or McFoy in those situations. <coughs> or, excuse me, or even Carlo. Um, so what's he giving you? What's he giving you for $3.7 million other than like 16, 17 minutes a night? So my question, and and, and this isn't like, you know, this is just where I sit there. Like I see, I hear exactly what you're saying. And like you said, this year is a little bit different than what we've gotten in years past. It's, it's also very recent. So my question is how much of this is because one, Right now, the partner he's most comfortable with in McAvoy is out. And I get it. He's got to play with other players. But he also has dealt with his own injuries this year, a little bit of them. And how, like, is this a situation where maybe he's hurt and he's not hurt enough to come out of the lineup because you have McAvoy and Forbort already out of the lineup and maybe they'd sit him if those two guys were both healthy, is it just, again, I'm not used to, cause he's bounced around partners more this year than he has in the last two years when these weren't happening, especially in these last couple of games. So how much does that play into it? I, I see where, where those lapses are and I I'm with you hundred percent. I'm just curious how much of it has to do with those types of other things. I don't know. If if he's injured, why wasn't he out before McAvoy went down or before Forbert went down? Could if be a more recent if, injury. I, I, I'm just curious. That's all, you know? I, don't, I, I just don't think Jim Montgomery trusts him. You can go back to the playoffs last season uh, where, where he was a healthy scratch. You can go to every game this season where he, Montgomery refuses to use him on the P.K., um, uh, unless so, he's absolutely forced to, um, he, 
Kevin Shattenkirk is getting PP time over him. I mean, Kevin um, Shattenkirk has looked great on the power play. I'm not yes, sure about he that. Has. A great pass to JVR down low in, um, I think it was the rain. Was it the Ranger game? No, the Islander game. The Islander game. Yeah, and and that was just mm, perfect, beautiful. I just and, and like I said, I, I'm not when it comes to Grizzlick. I see both sides of the coin as far as, oh, we want to keep him around versus we want to trade him. But yeah, exactly to your point, last year Montgomery didn't play him at all in the playoffs, even though when he was forced to, they won those games against the Panthers. So right. if Montgomery doesn't trust him, then you should move on from him. You should try to package him with something with somebody else or a pick or something and try to gain something for him because clearly Montgomery is going to be here longer than him if his contract's up at the end of the year. Right. Now, uh, to your point about Shattenkirk, isn't what they, that what they expected from Matt Grizzlick to give them? Uh, I mean, you can go back to Bruce Cassidy. Uh, Bruce Cassidy used Matt Grizzlick over Charlie McAvoy for a while on the PP, on PP1. I mean... Do you think it makes a difference on the power play, though, that Grizzlick is on the left side, he's a left shot D, versus McAvoy and Shattenkirk, who are both right shot D? Do you think the right shot defenseman on that power play fits better? Because we're talking about, we're also talking about who's going to replace Bergeron at the on the half wall, that or on the on the elbow there, and you know the the players that people keep mentioning are all left handed, and so it kind of it makes the, the power play have to mirror itself. Right. Um, I don't know. Uh, I always thought that the, the Bruins power play with, with Pasternak in his spot was, was better with a left shot defenseman, but that was with a right shot defense or right shot uh, in as you say, the bumper position. So um, I don't know. I, I I don't know whether it's which hand they shoot with. I, I I just don't think Matt Grizzlick is the guy that should be there. And I don't think he should be the guy on the PK. So I question, what is he giving you for $3.7 million a year? Yeah, it's a it's a fair question, and and you know I I do think he has trade value. So to your point, if if you come to this wall of what is he bringing you, and the answer is a warm body capable of playing, like you said, 17, 18 minutes. Now, how much would it interfere with um, you know? Because the last thing you want to do is piss off your you know your franchise defenseman. But I feel like at this point, they understand that it's also a business and you have to make business decisions. And, you know, at this point for the Boston Bruins, maybe it's best to move on from Matt Grizzlick and get something for him before the deadline. I feel like McAvoy can handle it. And so, but just what does it do for the locker room and who are you getting in return? That is always the big question for me. I'll trade anybody, but what's the return? Well, yeah, with it, without knowing the return, I is I don't know. At this point, I can't see that Matt Grizzlick is doing anything that would 
want Don Sweeney to bring him back next season. In fact, they tried to trade him last offseason. So um, if, if you've tried to move him before, you know you're not going to bring him back. Why not move him now to try and do something to improve the team? Sure. Now, I mean, we're also seeing a lot of line shuffling from Jim Montgomery as well. Uh, other players are also getting benched, namely, and standing out is Matt Plotra, which we'll dive into the benchings and the purposes behind it and all that stuff a little later on. But just as far as the way he's juggling the lineup, now, some of it out of a necessity. Zaka's out, McAvoy's out, Forbort's out. You know, you're trying to get some of the other guys involved as well. Um, I mean, geeky number one center between pasta and, you know, name your left wing. Heinen's look pretty good on that side. Martians look pretty good on that side. Like you're, you're seeing so much jumbled around in the lineup. Do you think they're trying to figure out who fits best in the long-term plans to maybe make a deal? Um, no, I don't think so because Jim Montgomery, based on everything that I've seen him do, is coaching to win. It's simple as that. I don't think Jim Montgomery gives a rat's ass about next year uh, or the year after. Um, you know, so I, I think he's just he's just mixing and matching to find something uh, that works, and and when he does it. He doesn't when the team hasn't done anything in 10 minutes. Like right. you look at that Islanders game. Like there was 10 minutes there where they where they looked like a, a CHL team. It was just, <laughs> it was terrible. So with that thought in mind, to, I, and, and it, it's all the same questions and, and all the same thoughts of Jake DeBrusque, because we mentioned him before. Is Jake DeBrusque someone that you're looking at and going, are we going to bring him back as well? Now, he is giving you other things. He's giving you a lot of PK time. He's giving you a lot of hard minutes. He's giving you hard time in the last few minutes to help try to close out games. But at the same time, we've also seen this team not be able to hold on to a lead when they're, up, when they're skating five on six. And he's on the ice for some of those too. So you got to mm-hmm. level the good, the PK time with the bad, this five on six time and go, what is he giving you? Well, he's giving you all those things that you mentioned, but Jake DeBrusque is supposed to be a goal scorer. Um, That either. And he's not. So what's his prime primary role? Is it 30 goal a season, Jake DeBrusque, or is it uh, Daniel Paye? a defensive specialist with a ton of speed, like who can chip in a goal. Got a dis- yeah. The, I, I mean, yeah, here and there, right? Like very rare. So the, the Bruins have got to decide what do they have in Jake DeBrusque and <clears throat> excuse me right now. It's not the goal scoring Jake DeBrusque. So they've got to determine, um, whether that's the Jake Bruss they want, and most, more importantly, how much are they going to pay for that player? Right, because he's due for a new contract as well. And right. I haven't 
anything about a new contract. And I know you've tweeted out um, once or twice the, the timeline of where things between the team and DeBrusque have been in those contract negotiations. And right now it seems like it's in the team's hand and they're basically just dragging their feet going until we know what the hell you are. We're not offering you anything. Yeah. It's been three months since any news was given out. Uh, it started out with Jake DeBrusque saying that he'd like to return. Uh, but it, at the same time, he said, <laughs> it takes two to tango. And he hadn't heard from the Bruins yet. And that was early September. Um, and that was followed up by Don Sweeney two weeks later saying, uh, Jake DeBrusque has to make a decision on whether he wants to be here or not. Okay, yeah, so sounds, where are we? It sounds and, fishy. And that's, <laughs> yeah. So, so would you be looking to bring him back? Let's start with that. Um, me? Personally, yeah. I would bring him back. Uh, but What's I wouldn't your... bring him... To, the way he is right now, um, if he wants a one-year deal at what he's making now at $4 million, uh, that's my best offer. Are Honestly. You going, you, are you Jake, you... What's the negotiation there for you as far as term to, to dollar amount? Um, I, I I would just say to him, Jake, you know, I'm going to give you the opportunity to bounce back. You know, the team's in a good situation financially. We can afford to pay you next year, but um, right now you're not showing that you're anything more than a $4 million player. So here's my one-year deal for $4 million. I'll give you the same amount I'm giving you this season. Prove to me you can get back to that 27, 30 goal level. And then we'll talk a long-term contract. Right. Which makes sense. You know, and, and we all called this a, a transition year coming into the season. So I think that's some of what they're trying to fish out and kind of feel mm -hmm. out. Um, you know, I mean, and there's a lot of questions too, because like Martian only has next year on his contract after this year. And then the question is, is, is he going to want to come back? Is he going to want to retire? Like, where's he at? What's the long-term there? Uh, Frederick is another one. Do you want to sign him to a long-term deal? Now that you're seeing a little bit more, I mean, he his partnership with Coyle makes them almost inseparable. But how right. long do you want them, those two guys together? Um. I, I want Frederick here for as long as Coyle's here. I, I really do. This year and two more. So you really right. need a one-year extension for Frederick to make that match. But I like the leadership that Coyle offers. And, mm -hmm. I mean, clearly we're seeing this year the guy can take face-offs. Like, he's bringing all the extra value that the brusque is that you're seeing. But I would also go so far as to say that I don't see Coyle being the catalyst for some of those breakdowns late in the game. No, definitely not. Def definitely not. Um, and I, I think those breakdowns late in the game are the team as a collective more than any one player. It's, I, I don't know. It's like they're zapped from energy. Um, and it's just not late in the game. It's late in the period. So 
is it shift management by the coaching staff? Um, now, this is where I want to circle back around to a guy like Matthew Patra, because in in the game where Zaka gets hurt, uh, Montgomery shortens his bench. He moves Geeky over to center, which is fine. You're going to shift him in there when you're down to center. That is not the complaint that I have. Why would you shorten your bench to the point of benching Matthew Patra to – I, I like I understand there are things that you want him to learn, but when you're down Zaka and you're already down another center, you're only hurting your team by not giving him any minutes. Um, I don't know. If it was any other game <clears throat> other than the one Zach, Zaka got injured in, I would have no problem with the the way he handled the Padra situation. On the other hand, and I've been public uh, about this too, is part of why Padra was benched is the system that Jim Montgomery uses, okay? Matthew Padra had the puck just outside the Bruins' blue line, and he was moving east. Kevin Shattengirk flew the zone, and headed north. Left Patra as the last man back with, with the puck. Now, I've coached at a fairly decent level, and I would never let my defenseman fly the zone. The puck carrier can never, ever, ever be the last man back. Not in my system. But that's the system that Jim Montgomery wants to play. He wants to get those defensemen involved. Unfortunately, yeah, Patra lost the puck, and it, it cost the Bruins a goal. But there should have been a defenseman there. Shattenkirk should have been there backing him up. Under my system, that's the way it would work. Under Montgomery, it doesn't. Under Bruce Cassidy, it would have worked that way. Defensemen just don't fly the zone. You look after your end first. <clears throat> so part of it is on the system. And, and part of it is on Patra, and part of it is, is on Shattenkirk. But I know Patra all too well. He's just going to take it as a lesson learned. He's going to learn from it. He's going to work harder, and he's going to come back better. I, I I fully understand it. I mean, it's not the first <laughs> time that Patra hasn't seen time in the third or he's been bench late in games for whatever reason. Um, I know they're starting to manage his games themselves. So I, I read less into taking a night off because I do think there's some, you know, body management, I'll call it. Yeah, body management. Let the, I mean, yeah. he still has a kid's body, as weird as that mm -hmm. is to say. You know, he's what, five, seven, a buck, 60 something soaking wet. You know, like he, he, his body doesn't recover the same way a guy like Johnny Beecher's does. Johnny Beecher's built like a full grown adult. 6'3", two 216 or something like that. The recoveries are just different. Well, um, to contradict that just a little bit, if I can, Chris. Sure. I was surprised when he took the hit last night that he went to the room. Oh, the that surprised me. Yeah. Yeah, that, that surprised me. That is not the Matthew Patra I know. But then I was not surprised to see him come back. 
Right. Yeah, that that once I saw it and heard that he was back on the bench, I wasn't surprised about that. Um, I, I, I mean, obviously we weren't there. We don't know what it felt like when he took that hit into the boards. Maybe he he felt something and just wanted to make sure that, you know, by staying out there, he wasn't actually going to get hurt. You, you know, not being there. I I don't know. I don't know. I've just I've just seen him take some pretty big nasty hits and just bounce right back up. And he's the I mean, energy. The guys, he, he's he's a lacrosse player, so I mean, those boys know how to take hits. Oh sure. I just I understand sitting there saying, okay, you know, we're gonna <laughs> pull you from this game just to to give you that little extra recovery time, especially when they're doing you know like seven games in. 13 days or, you know, with back-to-backs, three and fours, you know, that type of, you know, schedule mm-hmm. sit once here and there. I- I'm I'm not, le- I'm less worried about that than the benchings in the third period than, you know, not having him get more than nine minutes and try to figure out why. Um, my, my other question to you regarding Patra, and, and I don't think we'll touch on this for too long, but would you send Matt Patra to juniors if he's asked by Canada? Um, well, I can tell you that the Bruins have been asked. Oh, they have been. Uh, yeah. And team Canada has left a spot open for somebody to be loaned in case somebody is to be loaned to them from the NHL, whether it's Patra or somebody else. Um, now from what I've heard, um, the Bruins have not made a decision on it. Would I? Absolutely. If Matthew Potter wanted to go, I would absolutely send him. I agree with you. I'm curious um, as to your reasoning why. Um, <clears throat> I think it would be a confidence boost for him. Um, it can get him back to the things that made him successful uh, prior to joining the Bruins and even earlier in the season. Um, I just think it would serve a good reminder for him as to what got him there. Yeah, almost like pulling pulling the rubber band back. Right. Exactly. They're good. <laughs> I I look at it as an opportunity where he goes, he, if he goes into that room, like I haven't fully looked at everybody on that roster, but I'm pretty sure he'd be walking in as one of the only like current NHL regulars, like someone who's been in the lineup for an NHL mm-hmm. since the beginning of the season. So to just um, into that yeah. locker room with that, you know, behind him, I know what I'm doing. Not I'm better than everyone else here, but at the same time going, I'm an NHL player. These are kids my own age, so I should be better than them because I'm in the NHL. If he goes and plays well, it rebuilds his confidence in all of those things you mentioned. And then he comes back, he's refreshed. He's also had some time to keep playing high-end minutes but not take those same brutal 
hits that we were just talking about that, you know, he's still getting hit. Don't get me wrong. But he's not getting hit by 6'3", 6'5", 6'7", you know, 230-pound men. He's right. getting hit by people his own age and sitting there going, oh, that you you hit me. All right. Well, that's nothing compared to when, you know, Zadorov threw me into the boards. Right. Right. <laughs> I, 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 I think I think. I, I think I would have no problem. I would sit down with him and say, I would tell him how I felt about it. And just like we've spoken about, it'd be good for his confidence. Um, you know, he could go there and dominate in a tournament that he should dominate in, even though he's still only 19 years old. Uh, right? Um, get his confidence back up. Remind him of the things that that made him successful, and then come back refreshed. Uh, yeah, he's going to be playing, but he's not going to be playing four games in six nights like at NHL hockey. Um, and then I would ask him his opinion. And if he, <laughs> if I were a betting man, and he was asked, um, you know, I've interviewed him a couple times and. Um, last summer I interviewed him and was talking about, uh, his teammate in Guelph, Cam Allen, who was representing Canada at the Halinka Gretzky tournament. And Matt's grin went from ear to ear. He was so happy for him, uh, at an international tournament because, uh, he was dominating there and, and stuff. I think Matt would want to go. I, I think the opportunity to play for his country is high on his list. Um, but I can't be 100% certain. I, I would think, having talked to him a few times, that he would want to go if he was asked. He seems he seems that type of person that if he was asked and, and they valued his opinion, they asked him about it. And I, I don't see why Don Sweeney and his team wouldn't go to the player and ask him first, hey, they want you and, you know, w- we want to know where you stand. Because if he really doesn't want to go, then sending him is just not the thing to do. Pointless. Pointless. Yeah, I feel like he would want to go, but he would ultimately say like, hey, if you guys don't want me to go, then I'm happy to stay here and keep playing for you guys. But I would, I, I would love to go and represent my country. I'd love to go and play with, you know, other players my age that I know and that sort of thing. So, yeah. Um, a couple other specific players that I want to talk to you about as far as the the long term kind of goal because Poitras is an interesting one because we, we were talking about at what you said is Montgomery coaches to win each game individually. Mm-hmm. As an organization, they're managing Poitra for the long term by giving right. him a game here and there and all that stuff. Uh, there's a couple other players that I want to get into with you. Um, we're going to hear from our sponsors real quick, and then we'll come back. Uh, but there's a few that I want your thoughts on as far as can they help them now, what the long-term plan is, and we'll look more towards the future of the organization because – at the end of the day, there's a 96% chance that this team doesn't win a cup anyway. So we've got to look at right. the big macro picture. So uh, we'll be right back, and we'll touch on that in just a moment. Bet the action on the ice with DraftKings Sportsbook. 
Tonight, there are 13 games on the slate, including Tampa Bay going into Nashville as an underdog, so definitely take a look. Download the app now and use THPN. New customers can get 150 bucks instantly in bonus bets for betting at just $5 on hockey. That's code THPN, only on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. The crown is yours. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888 888- 789-7777 or visit ccp.org please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance cdkng.com slash hockey for eligibility and deposit restrictions terms and responsible gaming resources NHL and the NHL Shield are registered trademarks of the National Hockey League. Copyright NHL 2023. All rights reserved. Welcome back to What's Brewing. I'm your host, Chris Nozick. I've got Dom Tiano, my co-host here. And uh, right before the break, we were talking about some names for the the future of this organization. Uh, Real quick, we're talking about the most recent games. I want to know what you think of what you've seen from Parker Watherspoon. Um, do you know what? Honestly, Chris, I like him better than Ian Mitchell. And, and I know Mitchell is, is a Montgomery guy and that he's been with the team as the seventh defenseman for most of the season until today he was sent back to Providence. Um, I, most likely that's just a paper transaction depends on whether McAvoy is good to go for for uh Tuesday night I believe they play correct yeah uh, yes I believe it's Tuesday but I've been impressed with Waterspoon both in Providence and Boston and and I think Ryan Mouchanel um here's the thing about call-ups like Jim Montgomery doesn't get to see the guys in Providence. And a lot of times the business part of it comes into it, like waivers and stuff. But a lot of times they'll talk to Mujanel and say, listen, this is what we need. Who's the guy down in Providence right now that best fits what we need? And he'll say, here, it's Parker Waterspoon. That's your guy. And, And... so I've been impressed with him through most of the season uh, in Providence and Boston. So I wouldn't be surprised if he, when is when it's all said and done, everybody's healthy, sticks with the big club as the seventh demon. And pushes Ian Mitchell down. Right. right. Okay. Now we're, we're talking about seventh defenseman and, and that stuff. My, my first question to you is, Jacob Sporrell, they just recently waived him, and it sounds like that was in an effort to almost prove to the player, we're trying to move you, no one wants you. Not at your contract, not at, you know, what you've been producing. So play better, and then we might be able to move you. Yeah, I think it's more of they tried to move him, 
And Zabora went to them and said, you know, it's not happening. Uh, you know, can you put, I shouldn't say Zabora, probably he, his agent said, put us on waivers again and see if somebody will pick us up. So, because <laughs> he's looked good in the past when he's been healthy. And mm-hmm. for the ACL tear, he looked like he could fit like a glove with McAvoy on even the top pairing. Mm-hmm. So what is it that we're not seeing from him that he's not getting any call-ups for, you know, obviously the money plays a factor into it. His contract is significantly more than Watherspoons and Mitchells and, you know, some of the other guys that, that have had call-ups whether it's offense or defense, is that the only thing holding him back from getting that call up as a, as a next Pro- Probably for the most part, but he's still prone, <clears throat> Chris, to the one, at least one a game brain fart that costs the team. Um, <clears throat> and that's always been the case with the ball way back to junior. Uh, there's no question that he had the talent. But sometimes he didn't have the drive. Uh, he would make that that boneheaded play. And I don't think the IQ is there. Um, I think with McAvoy, McAvoy made him look a little better than he was. Um, I, I, ju- I just don't think he can make the plays. His head isn't at the level of his skates and his hands to make the plays at the NHL level. Let's put it that way. Okay, that's fair. I mean, we, we've we seen him do it internationally. We've seen him do it at times in, in the AHL. We saw him do it in the queue. Uh, I just don't think we've ever seen it at the NHL level, and I think it's, it's an IQ thing more than anything. Okay. So at this point, it's fair to say that he's not in the plans of the future whether it's his contract runs out or if they find someone who's willing to take a flyer on him for you know, the ever popular to be determined player to be named later future considerations, you know, that might be the kind of deal that gets worked out, but it sounds like he's just out of their plans now. Oh yeah. I would, I would bet on it that this is his last contract with the Bruins. So looking at the future of the defense, we're, you're talking about Watherspoon staying around as the seventh defenseman this year. Now, I put a little asterisk next to that because I think, in reality, we all know with a major injury on defense, Laura is likely your first call up because that's what he has been. Mm-hmm. But as a, oh, he's out for one game, we can throw Watherspoon in there and we don't right. have to call up Laura. Lori is the someone went on LTIR seventh defenseman because you're trying right. to still develop them. So the way I'm looking at it, going into the playoffs this year, you run a solid 10, 10 deep, if you will. I mean, if you're getting to Parker Watherspoon on your depth chart in the playoffs, you've had a lot go wrong already. But you have McAvoy, Lindholm, Carlo, Grizzlick, Shattenkirk. And then from there you go Lori, Watherspoon, Mitchell, Renouf. Like it, I don't see them moving on from a defenseman unless they're getting another one in return. Right, I I don't I don't see it either. Oh, and I forgot um, to in that. 
uh, forward. I, and you know what? Be, before Renouf, I would throw Regula in there. Oh, yeah. Renouf. And Riley Walsh as well. Yeah, yeah, you can't forget Walsh. So, you know, <laughs> they're 10 or 11 deep back there. Uh, but they're not all NHL defensemen. They're, they're not regular no. NHL defensemen. No, but if you're uh, getting to your eighth guy, ninth you're guy. You're in trouble. Yeah, I mean, you've already blown through an entire top four pairing. Right. <laughs> so Right, so... You're, you're going on fumes at that point, and you're hoping you're getting Vesna Linus Allmark and Vesna Swayman at that point. Exactly. But you could be. Exactly. Well, we have been getting them for the most part every game. Um, yeah. there, there are reasons 1A and 1B why the Bruins are where they are. 100%. 100%. But, you know, we, we started off talking about Grizzly. And so my question to you is, if you're looking to move on from Grizzly, <coughs> does that mean you have to make two moves? One to move Grizzly out and another to bring in that new top four defenseman. Like if we looked at Noah Hannafin, just as an example, you move Grizzly out to a cap dump situation, whether it's, you know, Buffalo needs a defenseman or Anaheim, you have a good trading relationship with someone like that. And then you move other pieces to go and get your Noah Hannafin replacement. It's either that. I, I think that's the way it's going to go. Um, <clears throat> or it'll be the infamous uh, third team involved in the trade. And um, so let's let's say, for instance, it's Hannafin. Um, then... Most likely, the Bruins will work out a deal with with Calgary, and they'll bring in somebody like Anaheim. And you know, I've been saying Anaheim for a couple of weeks. Uh, you know, their their GMs, uh, both Sweeney and um, oh, what's his name in Anaheim? I'm gonna pull it up because I I knew it. It was in my head, and then you asked, and I was like, crap, who is it? Uh, Pat Verbeek. Verbeek, they were at the Philly game together, uh, scouting them the other night. Two GMs. <laughs> so, um, Grizzly is going to have to go if 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 they're bringing in a, another left defenseman. Grizzly is going to have to go. Now we know Philly's been trying to shop around some defensemen, mm -hmm. and they're trying to ship one out. So if you're looking at a defenseman, are you shopping from Philly stock? Are you looking at Noah Hannafin? Are you looking at like who, what are some of the names that you're targeting out there? If you're Don Sweeney that if you bring him in and you deal off a guy like Matt Grizzly is going to be able to actually help. Well, I hate talking about other people's rumors because they're not mine, but the, where there's smoke, there's fire. And all the talk is Noah Hannafin. And when you have somebody like Renaud Lebois from uh, RDS saying that other teams are afraid to trade for Noah Hannafin uh, because they know 
he his interest lies with signing with Boston in the offseason as a UFA, uh, then you can believe him. Um, he's as respected as they come uh, when it comes to inside information. I call him the French version of Bob McKenzie. <laughs> okay. Which, so, if that comes to fruition, your left <laughs> next year looks like Hannafin Lindholm Lorai. Uh, correct. In whatever order you want to put them, I'm, I'd love to see Hannafin McAvoy. Um, I, I mean, Lindholm Carlo and Lorai and. Who's on your right side now? Will have to be determined. <laughs> and, that's, and that's part of why I'm asking about some of the the younger guys. Like, I know there's a lot of promise in a guy like Jackson Edward and a lot of promise in a guy like Frederick Brunet. But if they're a piece that has to get put into a package that gets you Noah Hannafin. You do it. You do it, right? You that's, do it. like a no-brainer. Uh, Jackson Edward is... If I'm being honest and fair, is four years away from the NHL. So that that yeah, he's a piece that you willfully say, give us Noah Hannafin. Right. We will include him. Now yeah. I'm also looking at the forward group because we mentioned DeBrusque. We mentioned, you know, and then you have a guy like uh Van Riemsdyk who's on a one year right now. Heinen's on his one year right now. Uh, Oscar Steen is an RFA at the end of the season. You or know, UFA. Could be a UFA. Could be a UFA. Sorry. Um, and then, like, down the middle, I think you're set. This team seems like they want to keep Zaka down the middle. So mm-hmm. it looks like it's going to go in some order. Zaka, Coyo, Patra, Beecher. That's your center depth for a few years now going forward. Yeah, and I'm fine with that. I'm not complaining about it. Don't get me wrong. Uh, We've talked about how Zaka looks on the left wing. He looks comfortable there, especially when he's playing with Pasternak on the right wing. Mm -hmm. That combination I really like. I just don't know who you'd put in the middle. And it sounds to me like they want Zaka in the middle and he wants to stay in the middle. So that line kind of goes out the window at that point. No. Um. You know, because you never know what they can do in free agency, right? So I'm 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 a firm believer in pairs, and um, you you get your pairs and you find the third person to to mix in with them. So my pairs are Zaka Pasternak on one, uh, Coil Marshan on two. Uh, Patra and Frederick on three. Yes, I'm breaking up uh, Coyle and Frederick. Okay. For now, because I like... At the times they've been together, I like what Patra and Frederick have done. Now, now, let me back up. I'd also be willing to bring Danton Heinen back. Yes, he's playing very, very well, and he's okay. with Patra. Right. So if if I bring Heinen back, then I, I'm willing to put Frederick with Coyle and Marshan and have Heinen as Patra's pair. And then uh, 
the fourth line as a trio, they've done okay. Uh, but I really want to find that second guy to go with Johnny Beecher. And that guy to me right now for next year is Trevor Kuntar. Okay. So would you be looking at a, a Lauko Beecher Kuntar line? Um, whether it's Lauko or Steen, I think Steen is giving them a little bit more than Lauko is right now. But Lauko is also under contract for next year, and Steen is not. That's why I mentioned Lauko over yeah. them. However, <coughs> again, as a team in flux, maybe Lauko is a guy that you can include in a deal. Package right. You know, because he does have that extra year. They don't have to re-sign him. And now it, it he's a little bit more appealing on the trade market. Right. But would it suck to see Lauko get dealt? Yes, but you have to give to get. And Exactly. And you mentioned a name down in, in Providence in Trevor Kuntar. Now, other names over the next couple seasons, guys like Brett Harrison, John Farinacci, Luke Toporowski, Georgie Merkulov, and Fabian Liesel, where do these guys all fit in if the lineups that we're talking about have one opening, if that? Well, that that's just it. Um, <clears throat> you, Lysel, to me, um, I would be comfortable starting him with Heinen and, and Patra next season. Uh, Heinen can cover a lot up defensively, uh, and Potter will have a year under his belt. He's going to be that so much better next year that I'm okay with Lysel there. Uh, then you need a left winger to go with uh, with Zaka and Pasternak, and I I would say that's where um, Merkulov comes in. Okay, and then Farinacci may be my choice either in the middle with Beecher and Kuntar or on the wing with Beecher and Kuntar. You're breaking in kids next year. You're breaking in kids. You have to, because some of these guys are, are ready to go. Well, that's why I'm asking because they they're, they've played very well up until this point in at every level. And we speak highly of them. And you have a ton of money to go out next year and get free agents. There's a huge name out there that's being attached to the Bruins, and that's Willie Nylander because he's good friends with Pasternak. They have the money to do it. So if you feel like you can throw a bag at Nylander, first of all, what's your number for him if you're the Bruins from a Bruins perspective? Because I think other teams might be able to throw an extra million at him. What's your ceiling? I'm not paying more in Pasternak. Okay. Do you think so, you take the Pasternak contract to come here? Would it take the Pasternak contract to come there? Yeah. Do you think he would take I think, it? I, I don't think he would take it. But I'm not offering more than Pasternak. No way. So Pasternak's your new ceiling for anybody Pas that you to bring in. Yeah. Okay. Unless... Unless they're going after Leon Dreisaitl, uh, Pasternak is my new ceiling. I mean, in two years, they, they've also got the $6 million coming off the books from Brad Marchand. So they, they'll have another bag in two years if they spend this year's wisely. Mm -hmm. 
So I that but that's why I'm asking because a lot of people want to bring in Willie Nylander, and I I don't know well, what Chris get him, but I I'd love to try. <laughs> you know I've been talking about that for for months and months now about about Nylander possibly being the guy, um, but d- d- how do you bring somebody in that's not at the level of a Leon Dreisaitl? And pay them more than David Posternak. How do you do it? I don't care if it's Willie Nylander. It's, I mean, at, at what point? I mean, I'm not saying like 14 million. I'm talking if you can get them in at 12, 12, five. That's where I would cap out. Because at the end of the day, he's hitting the market at a better time for cash to be spent. It, it, it that's just how the business <coughs> works sometimes, and we've seen mm-hmm. that before where guys get squeezed out of money. Uh, Tyler Bertuzzi is a good one from last year, he didn't get the eight, the seven year, six, seven, eight million dollar contract that he was looking for. I think he's lucky that he got five. True, I don't know. I mean, at, at some point, you have to have an internal cap structure. And yeah, I just, no, I'm not bringing, uh, if it's me, I'm not bringing Nylander in for more than Pasternak. No, that's, it's a fair decision. It it's, it's where you draw the line and everybody's going to draw their own line. Some people draw 25 that Pasta's got some people like me. I'd go just a smidge above it. I don't want to make, I don't want him coming in at, you know, 13, five, 14, because Again, to your point, what's the internal cap structure look like at that point? Right. It, it's, uh, now, for $14 million, if I can get Leon Dreisaitl, yeah, I'm doing it. <laughs> yeah, ex- exactly. But because that now... The middle problem. And you go Dreisaitl, Poitra, Coyle, Z- Zaka's going to the left wing. I don't care. Yeah, exactly. Can you imagine the line of Zaka, Dreisaitl, and Hen Pasternak? Oh, man. <laughs> oh, that would be that would be filthy, but, I, but that's, I try cycles a little bit of a pipe dream. Oh yeah, definitely. But that that's the guy I would pay more money than David Pasternak. So, with some of these guys that are starting to find their 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 time coming up, you know, whether it's next year or whatnot. Um, I mentioned Mark McLaughlin. Brett Harrison, Kuntar, Farinacci, uh, Merkulov, you know, where do you see these guys getting any looks this year? Because we, you know, I feel like Patrick Brown is almost doing, in my opinion, what I was afraid Milan Lucic was going to do by signing here. And that's block an opportunity to look at some of these other guys. Now, for the the road trip, the Jersey, New York, the, the Devils Islanders road trip recently, I completely understand calling up Jesper Boquist as a replacement for Zaka because you don't want to have three rookie centermen in your lineup. Well, I, I think, Chris, you have to take a look at the business part of the game. If you're calling somebody up for 10 games, it's a different story than calling them up for one or two. Okay. And, I'll give you the the example I gave on another show yesterday. Okay. 
Matthew Patra needs to play 160 NHL games before he requires waivers. Okay. Georgie Merkulov needs to play 70 NHL games before he requires waivers. Now, we all know how the Bruins like to move players up and down to bank cap space. Okay. They've got nobody on the roster uh, this year that's waiver exempt that they can do that with. They have to rely on guys that have already passed through waivers to be able to do that. <clears throat> I'm not calling Georgie Merkulov up to play one or two games, unnecessary games, and burning games off of that waiver uh, eligibility for no reason. And people say to me, well, yeah, he's going to be on the team full-time next year. Well, yeah, but on off days, you want that that opportunity to be able to, in a paper transaction, send him down to Providence and bank cap space. That's the long-term thought process there. Because right. If, he, if, if you have him for 70, basically 70 of 82 games next year, and you have all 70 left, then he, if he's waiver exempt at that point, that's I, I'd have to do the math, but that's a couple thousand dollars every, you know, if you have a three day off span, you send him down as a paper transaction. That's three days worth of, I don't know, call it 7,500 bucks that you're capping that you're, you're establishing. Yeah. I'm throwing rough enough out there. The rough math is, is way off, but you get the idea. Yeah. And, and, you know, I, I guarantee you that's how NHL teams operate. They look at that. So it's not about just he should be the call-up. There's much more a deeper thought process that goes into it. Uh, Farinacci is the same way. Requires 70 games to reach a waiver uh, eligibility. <laughs> not to mention... You could be bringing them closer depending on their age. I'm not going to go through every player in Providence. You're bringing them closer to unrestricted free agency. You're bringing yeah. them closer to arbitration. You're I, losing control every time you're chipping every, away at the years of control that you have of that player. Right. So it's much more than just calling a player up to just to have a look at them. So in your opinion, if someone gets injured <laughs> to a point where they're on LTIR, like Zaka's off of LTIR right now, he's just on regular injured reserve. So, it, you know, we're expecting him back within another week would be my guess. Mm -hmm. Because if they were going to go two weeks without Zaka, I feel like, you know, they'd really make sure he was all set. And they, you know, I, I don't know. I, I just, I feel like he'll be back within the next week, if that. But, you know, let's say you lose Frederick for a month. Now are you dipping into one of those guys? Yeah, I'm dig I'm dipping into Farinacci. Okay. He's my he's my first call up from Providence up front. Okay. I I, I like the thought process and I, I, I hope many people listen to that because I mean there's a lot I, I've even seen people uh, I, I saw someone on um, on Facebook, I think it was the other day, 
Uh, yeah, no, I got into it with him a little bit. He was he was basically saying you just got to send Matthew Potra back down to juniors. Send him back to Guelph because you're not playing him. You're not doing this. You're you're wasting it. Send him back to Guelph. Like yeah, I'm, I'm, I I said to him I was like for what? What's he gonna gain from that? Like he would gain. It's not like he wouldn't gain anything uh, because he would. I just don't think. It's the best move for him or the organization right now. Let me rephrase. What, what would his game gain physically, tangibly? I think he would gain a lot more on the mental side, just like we, we talked about going to World Juniors. But mm -hmm. if that's what he needs, send him to World Juniors and get him back in three weeks, not send him down until freaking, what, April? I think I think he could he would be able to add bulk easier in Guelph uh than he can at the NHL level, Chris. They've they've got an Guelph has got an excellent training facility uh uh for its players and all that stuff. They they have a nutritionist on staff and Patra's already dealing with with a professional nutritionist in Boston. Um, so, and because of the scheduling, he would have an easier time adding the bulk. That's fair. To his frame in, in junior than he would at the NHL. Now, granted, <coughs> this off season is where he's really going to pack on so, some of the muscle that he needs. I, I just know that he'll put in the work that is, that is necessary. So, um, I mean, he's already taking all the, the criticism, the benching, the coaching, like he's absorbing it <coughs> and he's sitting there. I mean, what was it in his interview? There's no bad days in the NHL. No. <laughs> he's no. So to send him back now for another three months of junior hockey. Yeah, he can work on those things, but he could work on them in the offseason in Boston. And you've heard me say for many months now i have no worries about matthew patra he just gets it he seems like he does so but if you end up sending him off to world juniors what do you do to fill his spot oh you know what i move geeky to the middle right and i would call up farinacci Farinacci is like that Trent Frederick who, who is multi-positional uh, or like geeky, can play center or the wing. So I, I would go with uh, with Heinen, geeky, and Farinacci. Okay. Okay. I, I know a lot of the guys that we've talked about. Like, I'm pretty sure Kuntar can kick over to the wing. Yeah. I, I, I don't know how much you want to do. Like, that's the big question because Merkulov, is a heavy left wing favorite, but he's also played a lot of center in Providence. Oh, he's mostly center in Providence. So almost exclusively. You talked about putting him on the left wing next year in in our scenario, but why not try him at center? Like you see him as an NHL left wing. You know what I mean? Like, how, where's that line for some of these other guys? Like Toporowski, for instance, or McLaughlin is another one. McLaughlin's really dropped in in my opinion. I don't know what why, but 
Um, right now, I wouldn't even have McLaughlin in, in my top 10 prospects. Um, sorry, who was the other one you mentioned? Uh, Toporowski and Brett Toporowski. Harrison. Uh, Harrison. Harrison hasn't played a lot, so he's a couple of years away, Chris. Okay. Um, <coughs> what's Harrison play? Harrison's played in 13 games, 13 out of 27 games this season. Um, he'd almost be better off in Maine right now. Um, as for Merkulov, I, I know the fans will tell you he looks much better as a center as he does on the left wing in, but again, that's Providence. Like, um, tell I asked them to tell me what makes him a better center than a better left wing. Like, who's he playing with for one? What's, what's the, the difference? So I, a lot goes into it, but, um, yeah, I Merkulov to me will start on the on the wing at the NHL level and maybe work his way to to center. I, we can't. We we got to remember uh, Trent Frederick looked better as a as a center than on the wing uh, when he was in college. And where is he playing now? On the wing. Hey, he actually plays both off? wings. Yeah, he plays both wings. He. Play- I mean, I never penciled Trent Frederick in on a right wing. Me neither. You tried it and you went, holy shit, we have something here. Sometimes you try things and they work. And He played center the other day too and he played well. Yeah, yeah, he did. So, you know, there's a lot of possibilities. I just like the pairs that we talked about earlier. And I mean, that goes back to the Claude, Claude Julian days. The Bruins have always been big on pairs and then trying to find that third guy to to mix and match. See, it's funny because I would have paired Poitra with Geeky because that's what they've seemed to be doing. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I can see that one too. I can see that one too. But he also looks good down the middle too. Yeah, <laughs> he looks really good down the middle, doesn't he? And and he's he's shown a little more finesse than I think we thought he had by playing with with Pasternak and uh, you know DeBrusque on the left. Even I mean, I'm not really, I'm not really that surprised. I I knew it was a possibility that he had it in him. It's just I mean, it never had the opportunity to show it, whether yeah. it was with Seattle or or Boston, right? <laughs> it he he's only got one more year, and that's the part that really sucks because I'm already sitting here going, I wish they could just re they could extend him. You know, because I like what I've seen from him with the versatility. I, don't get me wrong. I'm not going to complain that I get to see it for one more year and go, okay, was it a flash in the pan or right. is this what he is? But he, you know, looking at his progression from Seattle to where he is now in Boston, I sit here and I go, I, I got no reason to think this is going to fall off a cliff. No. Um, 
one thing's for certain, the effort is always there with them. Yeah. Um, that motor is going, going, going. Yeah. <laughs> now, um, you know, anything can happen in a year and a half, but I'm not ruling out the, the possibility that they want to keep him around. Uh, but you, you've got a lot of prospects that you've got to make decisions on coming up uh, real quick. So, and, and they're going to come across Don Sweeney's desk at the same time uh, Morgan Geeky's contract is going to come up. What we do know <coughs> is the Bruins aren't afraid to walk away from. Yeah. Uh, you know, they walked away from Dustin McFall earlier this year. They walked away from Mattias Mantikibi a year ago, who, by the way, is having a great year in Finland. Let me throw that out there. Um, so the Bruins have been known to walk away when they don't fit into their plans. So do you think Mantikibi was allowed to walk because he, they just don't see him as part of their future? Exactly. Okay. No, I, I, it's as, if it's as simple as that, it's, it is what it is. I mean, it'd be nice to have seen them maybe trade the asset of a player like that. But at the same time, he's far enough away from the league where it's like, what are you going to get for him? Exactly. They, yeah. they weren't going to. And, and, you know, he, he just doesn't fit into anything that they're trying to do with their drafting philosophy of the last few years. Like, I mean, he's 5'11". You know, yeah, the Bruins haven't, haven't drafted anyone under what, six foot one in three years? Yeah. So. I mean, someone who's much, I think, I think Marcia So is what, 5'8", and he just won the response yeah. mice. So, you know, maybe you need one short guy in the lineup, but I think that might end up being Matty Poitra. Yeah. <laughs> so we've gone this higher hour plus, and there's one thing we haven't talked about. And I want to wrap up with it. Okay. All right. And that is the goaltending. All right. We have yet to mention the goaltenders in more than just passing. Now, there's a lot of people who are clamoring to trade one of them. One of Linus Allmark or Jeremy Swayman. Um, I think you and I are in agreement of why the fuck would you do that? Exactly. It is the strength, the pillar of this organization. and. You do have, I mean, all of the the guys that we've talked about, the futures of the of this team, the the Harrisons, the Lisels, the Kuntars, the Toporowskis, those guys, you know, very few of those guys are unmovable. I think the only right. one that you really want to sit there and go right now, unless I'm getting, uh, you know, Hannafin with an eight with a seven year extension already attached to him. If someone says, I want Matthew Poitra, click, you hang up the phone. Hmm. Example, just an example. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> you know, I, the price on Mason Laura is also high. That doesn't mean I don't listen, but these other guys, Kuntar, Richard, McLaughlin, you know, Brunei, They've got to be movable. Otherwise, you're going to get nothing in return, and you're just going to stay stagnant at the deadline. Everybody wants to move a goaltender, though. First of all, let's assume you were going to move a goaltender because that's what people want to hear. 
Which one are you looking to shop? Me? Yes. Right now? Yes. Brandon Bussey. Okay. I'm with you on that. <laughs> that is exactly the same thought process that I have. I look at it and I go, you know the two that you have at the NHL. They are known commodities, Swayman and Allmark. Right. Bussy making the jump might work, might not, but he's got a high trade value because he's young enough and promising enough. You also have other goaltenders in your system, i.e. Michael DiPietro is starting to look real good again. Mm -hmm. And a couple years away, and I know you're going to like this name, you've got Svedback with Providence College. Mm -hmm. So you have a, a pipeline of goaltenders that, I mean, if, if, if Omar or Swayman go down, you have the other one. And you're going to call up Bussy or DiPietro, period. So right. if you trade Bussy, okay, now you're just calling up DiPietro. Done. It, 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 there's no debate there. I think you can also get another year out of DiPietro because he was so uh, stunted by Vancouver mm -hmm. that there's still too many questions. I think you could sneak a Michael DiPietro through waivers. If you I had think so too. Waivers. He's not getting through. Right. Now, if, if, if this is why I don't want to get into the trade of goalie debate, because if we traded one of Swayman or Allmark, uh, my guess is this wouldn't be a playoff team right now. Instead of being first in the Atlantic, we'd be looking up at, at, um, at least three teams ahead of us. Okay. Now, Swayman is an RFA. You re-sign him next year, and you got the two best goalies in the NHL back again, or the best tandem in the NHL back again. <laughs> and at the risk of losing Bussy to waivers, he's the guy I trade. Simple as that. I why would I want to trade? the 1A and 1B reasons as to why I'm in first place in the division. Why? Well, the, 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 the counter to that, and, and at least for next year, would be Linus Allmark's contract is almost up. So are you going to be willing to pay both goaltenders? What's your number for the two of them? If you want, like, we're looking at next year, but after that, like, what's your number for Swayman going into next year? The same as as Allmark. He's getting the same deal as Allmark, five million. So Even I've got two. Going up. What's that? Even with the cap going up, you think he's yeah. gonna, the, the, he's not going to ask for more than that? He might yeah. ask for, it, but he's not getting it. I mean, he is restricted, so he's got that going for him. Right, and he's arbitration eligible again. Yeah, but if he could go out and win or be in the Vesna conversation this year, okay. But we're we're not talking about that right now, Chris. So right now, as we talked earlier, they they've got plenty of cap money next next season, and then the year after, uh, they got a whole shitload. You're looking at a cap that's going to be over ninety one million dollars in two seasons. So 
here's my cell, just like I, I gave you my cell to Jake DeBrus. Okay. Jeremy, take a one year deal at Linus's money, five million bucks. And then the year after, we'll renew the both of you at six, six point five. Okay. Linus is still in his prime. He's not old for a goaltender. No. So you lock them both up. And then you don't need Bussy. You don't need DPHO. You don't need Spedback. You don't need Reed Dick. I mean, like, by the time Spedback and Reed Dick are ready, now you're sitting there <laughs> going, okay, we've got one year left of these two. And you sit there and go, well, that's okay. Our next two are ready. Spedback. Yeah. And <laughs> so, like, I mean, that's my sell to to Swayman. It's you've got to sell the future. You're not selling right now. <clears throat> so, um, as they say, you're selling wins or you're selling hope. Yeah. Um, but this talk of trading the goaltenders, like, honestly, Chris, I don't get it. It's got to stop. It's, it's asinine in my opinion. It, yeah. I didn't want to say that, but you're right. That's exactly what it is. It's, <laughs> Uh, and, and the other thing that I want people to stop doing is bringing up the 2015 draft. The what? The 2015 draft. I saw a lot of that when Zboro got waived. Get is that, the, is that the one where they got DeBrusque and Carlo yeah. and yeah. Vladar and uh, that, that Lausanne was, came out of that one? Who else? That was the Zboro, DeBrusque. Uh, oh, you weren't supposed to mention them. <laughs> Sinition was the other one. Yeah, you weren't supposed to mention them. Oh boy, I, I just people need to get over it. That wasn't that wasn't the draft they went in looking to have either. It was eight years ago. It's it's done and over. It's, and you know, quite frankly, with the exception of that one draft, Don Sweeney's been one of the best general managers in the in the entire yeah. league over the last seven years. Yeah. So I mean, he could easily have what two, maybe three champions. <laughs> Awards under his belt? Yeah. Well, we all know there's only one reason why he didn't get it last year, and yeah, that's uh, that that's that, what we don't mention. Yeah. You know, but if 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 you want to talk about drafting and and keep bringing up 2015, here I'll throw one at you. The Bruins never should have drafted Joe Thornton because they ended up trading him for basically Marco Sturm. So what was the point of drafting him? Yeah, no kidding. I, it just, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, people got to get over it. It was yeah. so long ago, but that's that. That is my final thought. Get over 2015, enjoy the now, and uh, there's a lot to look forward to with this team. Yep. Do you have any final thoughts as we uh, wrap up the? Uh, the first episode of our new season here of what's brewing on the hockey podcast network. I just want to say, Chris, that, you know, it's a transition year. We've all referred to it as a transition year. <clears throat> I have no expectations whatsoever for this team. I'm just enjoying the ride. See how each player individually fits in to what's going to happen in the future. Um, you know, we could be the Chicago Blackhawks or the LA Kings or 
We're starting to see it a bit with the Tampa Bay Lightning, um, who won their multiple cups in the last decade and a half, uh, go through their rebuilds. Uh, we haven't had to do that except this season. And it's not even a rebuild. It's a transition. This team will be back, ready to compete next season. And I say just enjoy this one as much as you can and see how it plays out. Well, and to your point, this transition year, we're still a first-place team right now. And as everybody always says, if you get into the playoffs, anything can happen. Last time mm-hmm. I checked, teams in first place make the playoffs. Yep. So doesn't that mean anything can happen? Mm-hmm. <laughs> we saw the negative last year. Doesn't always happen that way. No. Look at the L.A. Kings, um, St. Louis Blues. Um, you know, it it happens. It, it happens. So this, this week, as you mentioned, we got the game on Tuesday. Uh, home against Minnesota, and then we've got the game in Winnipeg on Friday, back-to-back with another game at Minnesota on Saturday. So I I feel like if you can take away even four points out of the week, that's a successful week. Yeah, Minnesota's tough. They're playing they're playing well. Um and Winnipeg is a first place team right now. Yeah, but they're with what's his face injured. I don't know what to make of them. Um, with Connor's injury, um, but they won last night, right? I believe so. Or, yeah. <laughs> uh, they're not playing tonight. No, I'm sure, I'm sure they won last night, but. Uh, yeah, four out of six would be nice. Yeah, they posted a six spot. They won six to two over Colorado. Yeah. So it's it's going to be interesting for sure. It's going to be a good game. All three of them are going to be good games. And Hellebuck is playing great. Like, I mean, you talk about Swayman and you talk about Allmark. Um, Hellebuck, if you watch him, man, he's in control. He, his... He barely moves. He is that set and that ready with each and every shot. It's unbelievable. Oh, yeah. And one thing that I think I've noticed from him this year is he's not giving up as many rebounds as he's done in the past. Um, I don't remember if it was you or someone else. Um, I want to say – I'm trying to remember which goaltender we were talking about. Um, But they referred to him as a shot blocker as opposed to a shot stopper where the, the blocker, a, a goaltender of a shot blocker style, just their number one focus is stop the puck. Who cares where it goes after that? Whereas a goaltender like Alinas Allmark or Jeremy Swayman, just to use them as examples and Connor Hellebuck is doing it more this year. It's not just stop the puck, but it's freeze the puck. Keep control and, and control of it. Control it. Stop the stop the game if necessary. Hold it for a whistle if you need to. But if you can, look around, have the awareness, and can you dump it off and keep play going? Right. And we see we've seen how long it took 
hell of a buck to get into that. But if you remember, Jeremy Swayman, when he come up, was the exact same way. And he was, as you said, a puck, uh, blo- a shot blocker rather than a puck stopper. But now he's a puck stopper. Yeah, he holds that puck. Like, I mean, yeah. that's the one thing I noticed in, in from even from last year to this year in Swayman's game. Mm-hmm. He Big is difference. Rolling that puck so much better this year. Big difference. Big difference. And you know, a credit's got to go to to uh, Bob Asenza up in Boston, and and even Mike Dunham down in Providence. I like. Ascenza gets most of the credit, but uh, Dunham starts to teach him at at an, at an earlier age. So, you know, got to throw a little love his way. Absolutely. So there you have it. I think uh, we, we're we're going to wrap this up here. It's uh, it's been a great first episode coming back. We've touched on the forwards. We've touched on the defense, the goaltending. Now the future, the now. Let's uh let's let's go off and enjoy three more games of hockey before we sit down and do this again. What do you think? Yeah. Oh, love it. I mean, I could do this all night, Chris. This oh, is, me too. You know, I, I mean, there's always something to talk about, right? Absolutely. So, so we will uh we'll be back again in whether it's a few days or a week. We will be doing this a lot more because well, we love doing it. So Hopefully people have learned a little bit from this episode and we'll, uh, we'll get some questions and such and, and stuff like that. I know I reached out, Kevin actually wanted us to talk about Matthew Poitras. So shout out Kevin O'Keefe, who's been a show on the host as well. Hope uh, you're doing well out there, Kevin. And uh, it's great to be back on what's brewing. Yeah. Great to be here. Love talking hockey. We will see everyone next week. Take care. Ciao folks. 